You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. This evening, I'm going to minister to you on the topic of taking off the limits. It's a topic that I'm really moved about because I believe in the Christian faith, many of us, we fall way short of really what our faith should be doing and how it should be expanding in our lives. There's two particular verses, Mark 19:26 and Mark 9:23, say this. They said that all things are possible with God. Now, we know that, amen? But then in Mark's gospel, he says, all things are possible for the one that believes. In other words, your belief puts you in a category where you can begin to do the impossible with God. Amen? Maybe that your situation tonight is, uh, there's some possible solutions to it, maybe not. But what I know is this, that limitations, can you work with it a little bit? Maybe bring it down just a little bit. Limitations, many times in our faith, is a direct result, not of our faith. It is a direct result of our thinking. In other words, if you've got little thinking, it'll affect your faith. There's nothing wrong with your faith, but your little thinking will, in fact, hinder your faith from really doing what God wants you to do. The other thing is, too, when it comes to faith, if I think of myself in the wrong way, if I'm shaming myself, if I'm making myself, belittling myself, if my thinking is criticizing me, seeing being critical towards me, that will also affect how my faith works when it comes to the needs and so forth that I have in my life. Amen? And so when, when, when we talk tonight about limiting God, we're talking about limiting him in your thinking that affects your faith. Faith, the faith that God gave you when you got saved, the Bible said in Romans 12, 3, God gave you a measure of faith. That faith is more than enough to do every miracle in your life that you need. Every mountain can be moved. Every demon can be cast out. Every financial problem can be satisfied with that faith. Nothing wrong with the faith. What happens, though, is many times, because we don't renew our minds correctly, our little thinking or our thinking that induces doubt gets into our mind, and then goes into our spirit, and then that faith won't work. Amen? Turn to somebody right now and say, that's not for you tonight because you got unlimited faith. You got that mountain moving, shaking faith. All right, I want to show this to you in a story. Look here in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. I love this story because it shows you how we can take the limits off our faith. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of the prayer, which is the ninth hour. That's three in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who enter the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter, and said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Make a note of that. It says expecting to receive something from them. You never expect anything unless you first believe something's been granted to you. Amen? This beggar believed that the, he was going to receive some type of financial thing from Peter and John. And because of that, he was expecting to receive. Look at the next verse. 
Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Whew. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And so he leaped up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now he's going to church on his own. Amen. Now what's interesting about the story is this. Peter and John had tradition, and the tradition was to pray in the temple three times a day, 9 o'clock in the morning, noon, and 3 o'clock. So when you look at that as the scenario goes on in this story, you realize that this beggar, they had already walked by him uh, four times before this 3 o'clock event happened. And I like it because it was the fifth time they walked by him that this incredible grace was given to him. And, you, and if you know scripture at all, you know that five represents grace. Amen? And it's almost like, and, and what I also like about this story is the fact that this beggar was receiving something, not that he had lost. There's no indication of scripture that he ever was able to walk. It's one thing to be able to see and then lose your sight and regain it again. It's another thing to uh, be able to run and walk for a season in your life, get in an accident and become crippled. And he wasn't that. He was experiencing something that is so powerful right now that it was the first time in his life that he'd ever been able to leap and jump. And it was almost like God put that out for us to say, listen, I not only want to bless you, I want to bless you with things that you haven't even lost, things you've never experienced. I want to bring you to another level and use that to exalt the name of Jesus and the whole miracles about having faith in the name. I believe tonight the faith in the name of Jesus can restore. It can give you things you've never experienced in your life. It can bring you to a completely different level as far as experience is concerned in what God has for you. Now, we know this. In scripture because the first miracle that Jesus did was turning water into wine and he didn't do that so we'd all end up drinking wine the Bible says after that miracle that it was the beginning of his signs and if you remember signs point to something that is about to happen in that dispensation and so when if you read the story it says this about that miracle it said the host made a comment. He said, you usually give the best wine first, and then at the end, get the cheaper stuff, because by then they're kind of snockered. But he said, you put the best on the end. And that's the sign. The sign is, from now on, the best of God is available in Christ. The best salvation, the best anointing, come on, the best that God has. Scriptures tell us that we got a better covenant, hallelujah, built on better promises. And it's better not because it excluded the Old Testament promises, but because it added to it. Am I the only one excited tonight about that? So what I want you to see then is this expectancy is needed within the believer. And the expectancy that we're talking about can't be realized until you believe something's been granted to you. 
If you don't believe provision's been granted to you, you'll never expect it. If you don't believe healing's been granted to you, you won't expect it. If you don't believe protection has been granted to you, you will never receive that or expect it. And some of you tonight, I want to stir you up. Are you really expecting better days? Are you really expecting more than you have now? Are you really ex- are you expecting it to be weird now forever? Now, the new norm is going to be more miracles. The new norm is going to have all your bills paid for. The new norm is for you to walk in divine health. The new norm is not only to get a small group of people saved, but to get nations saved. That's the new norm that God has. And we need to rise up in our spirits and take out the limitations and begin to expect to the measure that Scripture is offering us in, in Scripture. Amen. Turn to somebody right now and say, the new norm is great. It's not bad. It's great. Then turn to that undesirable person next to you and say, it's for you as well. Say amen, everybody. Now, I want you to see something from this that I believe will really expand your faith in this area in a great way. Faith always expects if you're not expecting you're not going to be receiving and one of the things that we have in the in the christian church is that many of the things that we struggle with hinder our faith because they come from tradition rather than from revelation i have no problem with certain traditions but when tradition nullifies the word of god i have a problem with it and let me give you an example most people, when you talk to them about prayer, they kind of get this idea of prayer. That God's up in heaven, he's got this big table set in front of him. And while the table's set in front of him, these requests are coming from heaven or from earth. Some he approves, some he disapproves. I approve that, I disapprove that one. And we almost think that God is looking at every individual and when you pray he said well maybe i I don't know if i'm going to get that to you or not instead of realizing the scripture says all the promises are yes and amen in christ it didn't say some are yes some are no said they're all yes but it's a perspective that we have learned from the works of the law that depending on how you live will determine whether or not god grants your prayers Here's the revelation. No prayer is ever answered because of you. They're answered because of what Christ did on the cross. Because he became sin for you. Because he rose up and sat down on high. In other words, God the Father grants all of our petitions because we're in Christ. Your behavior level may be better one week than another week. That isn't what makes the factor when it comes to prayer. Prayer is answered because you believe in the sole work of Jesus Christ, that he died for you, he died for you on that cross, and that his blessings are yours because of what he did for you. Amen. And I'll tell you what, that just really looses up your spirit. But you can see why people pray and do things like this. Lord, you didn't answer my prayer, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start going to church every time the service opens. I'm going to increase my offering. And I know then maybe you'll answer my prayer. God doesn't answer your prayers because you bargain with him. 
It isn't about you. It's about the one that you believe in. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that Jesus is exalted to the right hand of the Father and his name has been exalted above every name, this man that was blind didn't do anything except believe what Peter and John told him. The man that was in the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, he was in sin and God healed him simply because he believed what Jesus said. You, you don't need anyone to help you. I will help you. Take up your bed and walk. And he believed that and he was healed. And even afterwards, Jesus said, hey, you, you need to stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. So it had nothing to do with that at all. What about the Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus? She's a heathen living like the devil. And God still answered her prayer because she had faith, because she seized on what Jesus could do. She seized on the fact that God was a loving God and that the crumbs are, the, come on, the little dogs eat the crumbs. When you understand that, you understand why faith always works. It only, the only reason why it doesn't work is because we don't believe. We doubt. And we go without. And so we got to understand that the faith that God put inside of you there's nothing wrong with it. It's not too small. Most people think you get saved and you got baby faith. And it's got to grow and develop before anything supernatural can happen in your life. That is completely wrong. The only thing that grows spiritually in your life is your soul, not your spirit, not your heart. The Bible said that we are to set apart spirit soul and body we are triune beings in other words my soul is my intellect my mind my body is my emotions so forth and my heart or my spirit is the real me say amen it's the real me this part can grow spiritually but this part is complete in him the bible says that you are complete in christ jesus first john four nineteen says as he is so are you in this world is Jesus growing spiritually? No, he's complete, he's perfect, and he is in your spirit if you've made Jesus Lord of your life. Hallelujah. What we got to do is be awakened by what is inside of us if Christ is there. If he's not, you can accept him tonight. Can you say amen? Let me show you a couple of verses that bring this out. One particular, uh, Philemon's put it up the scripture here, on the scripture here. He says this, that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Say effective. In other words, it's going to get results. By the acknowledgement. Say acknowledgement. That's epigonosco. It means knowledge. It doesn't mean that you know everything, but it means you know that you know that that's it. The acknowledgement of every good thing, look at this, which is in you, in Christ Jesus. See, you, sh you should be shouting by now. You should be shouting by now. Come on. In other words, it's the acknowledgement of who I am in Christ. It's the acknowledgement of the new man in Christ Jesus that causes my faith to be effective. You know, there's so many Christians, they struggle with sin. 
You know why they struggle with sin? They have a sin consciousness rather than a righteous consciousness. When you got saved, God made you righteous. Not your own, it's Christ. And if you become conscious of Christ's righteousness inside of you, you'll work that out in your actions. You'll work that out with what you say. You'll work at people that are sinning are not conscious of the new birth and of the righteousness of God in their life. Say amen. But do you see the power in this? We put limits on our lives because we don't acknowledge the holiness. We don't acknowledge the new creation. We don't acknowledge who we are in Christ. You know, when you gave your life to Christ, you experienced the greatest miracle you'll ever experience in your life. You were spiritually resurrected and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and you were made one spirit with the Lord, which means there's an equality between you and the spirit of Christ inside of you because everything that is Jesus becomes yours, and everything you have becomes Jesus, and you become one spirit with the Lord. And the battle is in our mind. The battle is in our thinking. We think too small. We think too wickedly. We think, we think in ways that allow doubt to come into our mind and then deposit into our spirits. When we are one in Christ, and that means the anointing. You know what the anointing means, basically? It means the reigning power of the Messiah or the anointed one inside of you. Anybody think for one minute Jesus is not reigning? That anointing lives and abides inside of you. We got to take off the limits in our thinking and quit thinking that we can't do this because no. We got to take the limits off our thinking that says, well, I never see anybody healed of a disease like that. We need to take off our thinking and begin to believe God's word. God is able to do anything that is needed to fulfill his will and his purpose in your life. You can't back off from it. You got to press into it. Now, let me show this to you in a, a little bit different atmosphere. Everybody expects people to have great faith they have. They go to Bible college, that have been in church for years, they expect them to have great faith. But why is it in Scripture there's only two people that Jesus refers to them as great faith? And the one I want to mention tonight is the centurion. The centurion isn't even a Jew. He's not allowed to go into the tabernacle and hear the law. He's not allowed to do that. But he still believed in God. And you remember, he went to Jesus because he had a servant who was sick and asked if Jesus would come heal the servant. And then he said this, Lord, you don't need to really come because I'm like you. I'm a person under authority because he was a military man and knew that because he was under authority, when he told somebody, they would do what he said to do. His mindset was that way, and he applied it to the faith that he had. And then Jesus said this, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. It was greater than John the Baptist's faith. It was greater than any of the apostles' faith. It was greater. And, the only, and it wasn't because he went to Bible school. It's because he had faith in God and the mindset he had from the military helped him release 
the faith that was inside of him. And that's where we get that wonderful word where Jesus says, let it be done according as you have believed. Hallelujah. But think about that. He was just, we could say that he's a, a baby of the baby of the babies of the babies of someone who just believed in God. But Jesus said his faith was greater than anyone in Israel. Jesus another time said this. He said, your faith's got to be like a little child's faith. Why? Because a little child doesn't rely on their understanding. They just believe it. It doesn't have to make sense to them. It doesn't have to compute in their brain. They just believe what's in their gut. And Jesus said, you got faith like that, you got enough for the kingdom. Amen. I'm saying that because many of us are limited in what we do in our lives simply because our mind is working against us. Well, I've never seen that done before. Oh, I never, I, you know, I, I don't know of anyone that does that way. And it limits your faith. Your faith has no limits because it's in a perfect God. It's in Jesus who is the propitiation of our sin. It's in Jesus who has been exalted at the right hand of the Father, and we're in him, and it's with Jesus who sent us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in our lives. Hallelujah. I think in the church, one of our problems is we don't know how to be led by the Spirit anymore. We're led by our intellect. We're led by, we're led by denominational views of Scripture. We're led by how we feel. Oh, I felt God moving. The Bible said to be led by your spirit led by the holy spirit in other words that's not your head it's not your feelings it's the indwelling of the holy spirit that illuminates your thoughts that illuminates your way of life i don't want to go too deep, too deep on this but this is why we limit many of the things that we have in our lives but tonight you can open up your mind amen you're going to say lord if you told me to do it i can do it it doesn't make any sense I'm going to do it. I know when Joyce and I were called to Bible school, we sold our house and everything. It didn't make any sense. Well, we're going to get into money. What are we going to do? But God provides. Can you say amen? And you've got to press through in those areas. And every time we've had a crisis in our lives of a, an illness or something we had to believe God for, the doctors didn't have a solution. My mind didn't have a solution. But Jesus did. Amen? That's why your faith is great. Look at this verse with me, 1 Peter 1, 1. And if you can take it, I'm going to show you something here that's really powerful. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the uh, dispersion in Pontius, uh, Galatia, and Cappadocia, and Asia, and Bithany. Where's my next verse? It must be verse 2. Can you give me verse 2? Okay, give me 2 Peter then. In fact, by the time you get it, I'll have this thing quoted and done. It's 2 Peter. I thought it was 1 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. There we go. Okay. Simon Peter, bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained. Say obtained. Like, say like. Precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. This is really an outstanding statement. He's saying, you got faith just like mine. But this is where a lot of people don't understand. 
remember the background of Peter. He says, you've got faith just like mine, the kind of faith that raised Dorcas from the dead, the kind of faith where my shadow healed the sick. And everybody that day that was there that was sick is, was healed. You have faith that's just like that. But what kind of faith is that? In Mark 11, 22 and 23, if you look at the Worley translation, it says this. After Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he said to his disciples, he says, keep having the God kind of faith. That's the kind of faith we're talking about. He said, keep having that. So well, I know about that translation. Well, let me give you another one. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul said, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ lives in me, and I live, in the King James Version, it says, live by the faith of Jesus. And then if you look down in verse 14, it says that we are justified by the faith of Jesus. So the like precious faith is like the faith of Jesus, the God kind of faith. It's like the faith of Peter and John and the apostles. It's the same kind of faith. It's not human faith. It's faith that comes from the word. And people don't understand the power of his word. You know, in the beginning when God created the universe, there's a very interesting thing that happens in that incident. It says that God said, light be, and there was light. It's the first thing that he did. But the crazy thing is the sun wasn't created until the fourth day. This is the first day. What kind of light is he talking about? He's talking about the light that comes from the word of God. The word of God, the Bible says that Jesus is the logos. It says that, that he is the light and the life. This word that I'm preaching tonight has light in it. The entrance of his word gives life. It, it, it illuminates, it gives light to us. When we study the scriptures by his stripes, we are healed. That has, it gives light to your innermost man. It, that light gives you life and you start to see it and you start to believe God for it. It's, it's supernatural. It has nothing to do with whether or not you went to seminary school. Has everything to do with whether or not you're teaching scripture or man's view. Scripture is powerful. It's anointed, it's lit, and it's in every one of us that has accepted Christ. It's that word that caused you to be begotten by the Spirit. There's life in it, it's powerful. So when I talk to people about faith, you know, people have faith in sports, that's great. It's not the same thing. I'm talking about faith that comes from this word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing about a word about Christ. When you have an incurable disease, human faith won't cure you. But if you got something that science doesn't have a solution for, this word has a solution for. You have a problem that's bigger than budgeting, this word 
will satisfy that need. You got a marriage that is demonically oppressed, that psychology won't fix, this word will fix it. There's power in it, but you gotta believe and you gotta expect to receive. Once I read in the word that's mine and I receive it, my expectancy is out. I'm pregnant now with that word. I'm expecting God to move here and move there, praise God. And God moves mightily when you do that, hallelujah. But you gotta get that faith moving in that spirit to do it. And, and, you know, when I study scriptures, the thing that gets me so excited is the revelation in the scripture on the will of God, what it actually is. It gets me excited. It's kind of like when Jesus fed the 5,000 or the 3,000. Remember all those times he fed the multitudes? Did you ever notice it always mentions how many people were there? It doesn't say, well, I think there was so many people. No, here. But yet in that miracle of the 5,000, it said that there were 12 basket loads of food afterwards. Why would there be 12 basket loads of food? Why, why didn't Jesus just meet enough or meet the need of those that were there? If you got people coming over for dinner, you, you, know, you don't set up 12 more plates when no one has said they're going to be there. Amen. And by the way, about these baskets and the food, we think, oh, those were leftovers. They weren't leftovers. Read the text. It's very clear that the bread that was left over in the loaves hadn't been broken at all. It was little loaves of bread that hadn't been eaten that Jesus had 12 basketfuls. God doesn't give us leftovers. God gives us more than enough with plenty left over. And that whole story is for one purpose in our lives, to tell us that God doesn't just want to take care of your basic needs. He wants to give you an overflow so that you can help the neighbors, you can help the church, you can help the people down the street, you can help the people on missions. You'll have more than enough with plenty left over. God is not stingy. Boy, I tell you what, when you learn that, your whole thinking changes about prosperity, about meeting your basic needs. It's about meeting it abundantly. So you can have me, me and Joyce over for dinner. And have dessert and apple pie and chocolate and milkshakes and steak and lobster. Say amen, bro. I'm not asking you to have us over. <laughs> But I am, I am messing with you, okay? But do you see the power in that? The abundance of it? Let me show you. I don't know if you can handle this, but look in Hebrews chapter 1, 11, verse 1. Excuse me. Hebrews 11, verse 1. And I want to read this verse in verse 3 and show you something. Notice it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me give it to you in another translation. This is called the, the GWT translation. It says that faith assures us of the things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things that we cannot see. In other words, what he's saying is that faith proves there's something else that is existing in your life that you can't see. And that is an invisible substance. In fact, look in verse 3, and I'll show it to you here. By faith we understand the worlds were framed 
which is not the word cosmos, different world, this means the ages to come, are framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made, now watch this, of the things which are visible. Most people believe that creation, God created the earth out of nothing. That's not what it says. It says we understand that the worlds were framed, look at that, by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things, things, things which are visible. In other words, he's saying there's an invisible substance in creation that God's word brought into material manifestation. In other words, there's a spiritual DNA for your healing. There's a spiritual force in God's creation that when faith is applied by his word, that invisible thing becomes visible. That marriage becomes better. That sickness becomes healed. That provision becomes met. It's invisible, the faith, but it's not an invisible, it's not a non-substance. It's just a substance we can't see. Amen? You can't see COVID, but it's still there. There's a, in creation, God has a spiritual, molecular, if I'm trying to be scientific, invisible something that is for everything that we need. That's why in Revelation 22, it says that when the new heaven and earth come, it'll be incorruptible like the born-again person, like the resurrected person. God will burn up the earth and he'll create it brand new. And it's going to be incorruptible. And heaven then will descend from above and land on it. So we're not really leaving here. Heaven's coming here. Come on, church. Give, give God praise. It's true. Anyway, that's another message. But I wanted you to see the truth in that invisible thing. When I pray for people that are sick, there's a substance that comes from the word that begins to bring the healing in the individual. It's invisible. I can sense the anointing. I can sense the power of God moving when I pray. But it's invisible. But that invisible substance brings people out of wheelchairs. It brings people out of critical condition. If you believe. We've got to keep believing. Amen? Amen. So I, I wanted you to see that because I think sometimes we think if I can't see it, it must not be a reality. And the reality is the earth was spiritual before it was physical. And it's still that way today. And one day it will become incorruptible like we are in our resurrected bodies, which I'm really excited about that. Now, your mind, though, is a real problem. And I want to say this about being positive or optimistic. Being positive will not give you miracles in your life. I'd rather be with a positive person than a negative person, no doubt about it. But being positive when you're exercising faith will give you a miracle. See, if I'm out in a snowstorm and I got my PJs on, and 
I'm positive, still not going to make any difference. I'm still going to freeze to death. But if I'm out, out in the storm in my PJs and I've got my faith working and I'm believing for God's protection, then being positive will keep the doubt out of my faith and my faith will bring it to pass in my life. Amen? And I don't even have any PJs, but the, it's just an illustration. Amen? Just an illustration. Does anybody have a water bottle that they haven't opened yet? You got one that you haven't opened yet? And this is kind of a simple illustration, but I think it'll awaken, awaken it. <laughs> Women and their purses. Amen. <laughs> now, let me, let me do this. I want you to take a drink of that water without taking the cap off. You can't do it without taking the cap off? No, don't use a knife. I'm the only kidding. <laughs> Give it back to me. The idea is simply this. You've got to take the lid off to get the water. And we got lids in our thinking. We want to get the miracle out, but we got a lid in the way we think. We got a lid in the way we act. We got a lid in the way we talk. We got a lid in the way we reason. And the result of that is we can't get out of our faith what God has really called us to have. Amen? And let me give you this, and I'm just going to prophesy this. Many of you are struggling right now because you feel like doors are closed. Doors are closed in your life. I just wish a door, God would open a door for me in my life. I want you to understand that God is the key to every door. And a door doesn't have to open for Jesus to get through it. In other words, you don't have to see it open in the natural. You remember in the resurrection, they were hiding out in a room because they were afraid because they crucified Jesus and they're afraid they were going to take them and crucify them as well. They went in that room, they locked that door, and Jesus, I, don't, I can't prove this, but you can't disprove this. He may have been outside that door beating on the door. Let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. Trying the door, door handle, I need to get in. And finally he said, no way, no problem, I'll just walk <laughs> through the door. Jesus can walk through every door that is closed in your life. He can walk through it. He can minister to you in it. There's not anything. He's got the keys of doors. He can open them. He can shut them. There's not anything that you can't do in your life. All you need is Jesus Christ. All you need to do is play faith in him, and he will break through those doors in your life. Amen. Amen. I need to stop now. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight, Lord. Thank you for ministering to us, Lord, and awakening our faith, Lord, to the greater things that you have called us to, Lord. I know you've called us to great things, and I know sometimes the devil will come at us and, and put us in impossible situations, but greater is the Lord that is in us than he that is in the world. And I'm praying tonight, Father, that you minister to your people and that everyone here would minister to. If you felt in your, in your life this week or whatever that it seems like these doors are shut in your life and you can't get through them, I want just to slip your hand up to heaven wherever you're sitting. And I'm going to just pray while you're sitting there for God to come through that door and give you the answer that you need. Father, in the name of Jesus, we exalt the name that is above every name. And in Jesus' name, I get in agreement with your people, Father, that there's no door that can keep them out of your best. 
There's no door that can be shut that can keep your miraculous power from ministering to them. And Lord, we agree together in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke and the bondage. And Father, we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.